is above and Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is above and Gilead to heal the sin-sick Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. We all have Hi, I'm Diane Rushwood, a, a grateful member of Epworth, and uh, the scripture today 
is Ruth 1, 6 through 22. Then she started to return with her daughter and daughters-in-laws from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, and she and her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud. They said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It's been far more bitter for me than for you because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not trust me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, call me Na no longer Naomi, but call me Mara, for the mighty, almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but God has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the almighty has brought calamity unto me? So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. May God bless the reading, reading of this word. More love, more love. The heavens are blessing. The angels are calling. Hosanna, more love. If you love not each other in daily communion, how can ye love God? whom ye have not seen. Hello, my name is Jordan, and I will be reading the second scripture for today, which will be Mark 5, 21 to 24, then we will skip over to 35 to 43. When Jesus crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders, was of leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, 
My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so she will be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they had said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside, and he took the child's father and mother, and those who were with him. And he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithakum, Talithakum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. More love, more love, the heavens are blessing, the angels are calling, Hosanna, more love. Amen. Thank you, Jordan. And thank you, Diane, Judy, and Alice for leading us into this time of reflection, of thinking about where does it hurt. Will you pray with me, please? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Our current series of I've been meaning to ask suggests four questions for us to deeper connection. Last week, we started with, where are you from? And this week, the question is, where does it hurt? The title I've been meaning to ask is itself not a question, but it does beg a question. I've been meaning to ask prompts the question, why haven't you asked? Why haven't you asked? Why don't we ask questions of each other that go beyond the surface? Well, one reason is we know that under the surface, things can get murky. They're not as shiny and smooth and polished as they are on the surface. We can't always see perfectly under the surface, and we may have to feel our way around a bit. We are venturing into new spaces and new places and that can feel vulnerable. We can bump into things and we can bump into each other. One of the blessings of our current hybrid worship format with a group here in the sanctuary and a group of folks online is that multiple engagements with the service are happening simultaneously. There's a palpable energy that we can feel as we sit in this physical space together, and there is the opportunity to voice reactions and thoughts and truths, prayers and praises online. Last week I asked persons online uh, to respond in the chat to signs and symbols that indicated where they were from. And even in this initial dip 
under the surface, we were alerted to something very significant from our brother, Dr. Jeffrey Kwan, president of Claremont School of Theology, whose church home is here at Epworth. Dr. Kwan wrote in the chat, unfortunately for Asian Americans, the question of where are you from is a very sensitive and loaded question. It is often an attempt to return us to our land of origin. The question, where are you from, intended or not, the question of where are you from, intended or not, seeks to inscribe Asian Americans as perpetual foreigners and say to us that we cannot be real Americans. We are viewed and related to as an other. The online community learned and processed Dr. Kwan's deep sharing. And I'm grateful to him for raising how this question can be problematic for immigrant communities and for others brought to this country in enslavement. Dr. Kwan and I talked this week and he gave me permission to share this with you and he also gave me permission to share from a message he had previously preached on the passage that we have for today from the book of Ruth. As the story from Ruth goes, Naomi, an Israelite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah, migrates with her husband and her two sons to Moab as a result of a famine in Bethlehem, which is ironic because Bethlehem means literally house of bread. But there, there was no bread, and so they were forced to move to another land, uh, a land that had traditionally been uh, seen as a, a, an, a nemesis, an enemy of the Israelites to Moab. And as they try to build a new life in Moab, Naomi and her husband and her sons are met with both sorrow and joy. Naomi's husband dies. But her sons meet and marry two Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. And then Naomi's sons die. Naomi's pain and grief are consuming. She sees nothing for her in Moab, and she says to her two daughters-in-law, there's nothing here for me. I'm going back to Judah. This is your land and your people. May you create a new life for yourselves here. Orpah does as Naomi instructs and turns back to Moab. But Ruth does not. And instead, she speaks some of the most beloved lines in all of our scripture. Do not entreat me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. May the Lord do thus and so to me if even death separates me from you. This is a beautiful expression of love and devotion. It moves us. And it also leaves so much for us to wonder about, especially when we hear how Naomi responds. We know Naomi is in deep pain. Just after Ruth pledges her life and accompaniment to her mother-in-law, 
Naomi, whose name means pleasant, declares that henceforth her name should be Mara, which means bitter, because she says, the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full and I came back empty. In the depths of her hurt, Naomi is not able to embrace this gift of love and care from Ruth. At the same time, Ruth is heading into a new life where she will be seen as an other. In fact, as Dr. Kwan's message points out, of the 12 times Ruth is mentioned by name in the book of Ruth, in five of these, she's referred to as Ruth the Moabite, emphasizing her otherness. And in one instance, she herself proclaims, I am a foreigner. Dr. Kwan speaks of the experience of being an immigrant in his explication of Ruth as it relates to the experience of Asian Americans. He writes, as Asian Americans, we know all too well the pain of our cultural identity. Our identity is hyphenated and hybrid, each aspect contributing significantly to a construction of who we are. We are both Asians and Americans, yet never fully Asians nor Americans. And he goes on to say, living a hybrid existence often gives us a sense of being a perpetual foreigner. As Asian Americans, our skin color, and for some of us, our accents, often led others, lead others, particularly white Americans, to ask us the question, where are you from? If we say, for example, we are from Oakland or Berkeley or Sacramento, this question, the question will quickly be followed by another question. Really, where are you from? With the impl implication of where is your homeland? Such questions, he writes, primarily from the dominant white society, in many ways define the Asian American experience. He goes on to say, we are viewed as and related to as an other over the course of Asian American history, we have been stereotyped as perpetual foreigners, yellow peril, social pollutants, drug-using deviants, among others. It is an attempt to demonize the entire Asian American population. I am indebted to Dr. Kwan for his exegesis and his insight into this passage and for being willing to speak of this painful history as we engage the desire for deeper connection and understanding. Was Naomi able to recognize the loss and pain Ruth was to experience as the old biases of the Israelites met her as she entered Judah? Was Naomi able to recognize that even in her pain, she had the power to mitigate Ruth's pain by her own awareness and actions? How would Ruth and Naomi engage each other around the question of where does it hurt? Did they miss each other's pain? I confess 
to you this morning that in posing the question, where are you from, there was pain in our community that I missed, and I am sorry for that. I have learned, and next time I will do better. The three general rules of Methodism as articulated by John Wesley are these. Do no harm, do all the good you can, and stay in love with God. Sometimes do no harm gets misinterpreted as do nothing. Our world is so complex and there is a lot we don't know and a lot we can't see. Sometimes it can seem like the safest route to not doing harm is to do nothing. But the general rules must always be understood in the theological context in which Wesley spoke them. Wesley said, first, do no harm in a theological context that took for granted that the world and humanity were already broken, that there already was pain, that there already was suffering, there already was hurt and imperfection and incompleteness. Wesley wasn't a full subscriber to the view of his contemporary theologian, John Calvin. Calvin believed in the complete and utter depravity of humanity and the totality of original sin. Wesley wouldn't quite go there. Wesley always understood these things to be mediated by God's grace. But Wesley did affirm a, a kind of brokenness in which humanity existed. This original and ongoing kind of brokenness can be understood now for us in the framework of later process theologians, such as Marjorie Suhaki, Professor Emeritus of Claremont School of Theology, Suhaki described a system of generational sin, generational brokenness, which began at the advent of history that was a result and is a result of cumulative choices of violence and structures of separation. And it was and is this brokenness that manifests in our lives as pain and hurt. It manifests in our lives as racism, xenophobia, sexism, homophobia, violence, and trauma. It is this brokenness that calls us through the grace of God to act. And so in this sense and in this context, do no harm can never imply inaction. As long as there is brokenness, we are required to work with God to repair it. As long as there is hurt, we are called to work with God to heal it. You, have, you may have noticed that in this series, our worship liturgy includes a prayer of confession. Though the prayer of confession is traditional to Christian worship, it's often not a feature in Epworth's worship. That's not because we don't need it. But confession can take us deep. It can be misunderstood as shame and blame, and so more often we choose to swim in other waters. But when we are engaged in the deep work of seeking to really understand one another's experience, especially around our experiences of pain and trauma and hurt and grief. Part of understanding is being accountable for where past actions 
or historic connections have caused harm and continue to cause harm. And part of understanding is that in asking important questions, regardless of intent, we can still sometimes do harm. Intent and impact are not the same. We all carry with us experiences of pain and trauma and hurt. Part of our task is to bear witness to each other's pain. Where are there spoken or unspoken griefs that weigh heavily in our community? Have you asked? Do you know? Have you spoken? Where are there spoken or unspoken griefs that weigh heavily in our community? Where and how will we make space to hear these? And how will we be changed by what we hear? It is my prayer that as we begin today our series of holy conversations on race, racism, and racial justice, we will be and create one of those spaces and open up other spaces for deep sharing. And as we move into these deep waters, I trust that God's grace will meet us there. I know that God's mercy will guide us in confession, apology, forgiveness, and repair. And I believe we will be changed and transformed. Amen.
podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.